2: I'm going to depart from uh, 2 Corinthians and uh, talk about some things that I wish that I was open to receive when I was a graduate's age, things that we talk about a lot around here, but kind of uh, capsulizing them. It's based off of Jesus's words where he tells the people, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in the day and age we're living in right now, the truth is under continual assault. And everything that we believe about Jesus, everything that we believe about our faith is is being challenged. Our relationship with Christ is being challenged at every turn. So it's never been more important than it is right now for the people of God, and particularly for the young people, to have a determined faith. A determined faith. The thing about obedience for the Christian is that we are not in obedience bringing before God something that is apart from Him. It's not what we do, it's what He does through us. It's His life. The works that are worthy of Christ are the works of Christ Himself. That's the reason we're going to lay all the crowns at His feet, because we cannot take them upon ourselves and say, you know what, we did that, so we get the crown, but no. And you see, obedience for us is nurture. It is a blessing for us because in every command for obedience, we're literally being asked to accept the power, the grace, the wisdom, the working of Christ. That's what obedience is calling us to. It's not calling us to muster up in our flesh to do something. And in graduation, time of graduation, you hear a lot of charges that are telling you what you need to be. Go out there and be this. Go out there and be that. Make sure you act like this. Make sure you act like that. Guys, everything that you need to be has been placed in you through Christ. All I'm going to say to you today in capsulizing what we're going to talk about is yield. Yield to the truth within you. And everything that He calls you to will be there. And that's going to become even clearer in the scriptures that we're going to look at. What we believe about our relationship with Jesus is being challenged. And you remember, what you believe does not determine truth, but it will determine how you live. Truth doesn't change, does it? What you believe does not determine truth. You have Christ as your life, and that will never change, regardless of what you may do or say, that doesn't change. Truth does not change. It cannot be destroyed by the elements of the soul. What's the elements of the soul? The mind, the will, and the emotions. What you're thinking, what you're determining to do, what you're feeling has absolutely no impact on truth. Do you understand that? Because we're living in a generation that says you can define truth by your wisdom, your logic, your intellect. We're living in a generation that says you can make your own truth by what you do. We're living in a generation that says truth is according to how I feel. But we know that those things will not change truth. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, he writes, For it is written, and forever remains written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the philosophy of the philosopher, and the cleverness of the clever who do not know me. I will nullify. Where is the wise man, philosopher? Where is the scribe, scholar? Where is the debater, logician, orator of this age? Has God not exposed the foolishness of this world's wisdom? For since the world through all its earthly wisdom failed to recognize God, God in his wisdom was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached regarding salvation to save those who believe in Christ and welcome him as Savior. The enemies of faith will always appeal to your mind and emotions. You haven't learned that. You haven't watched television, right? They will try to get you to determine truth by logic and by your feelings. Now, we know emotions have no thoughts. They do not think for themselves. They follow your thoughts. So, watch a scary movie and be scared. Listen to sad music and be sad. It is by faith that we embrace truth. It is the same believing faith that we were all saved with. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance, title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. I like that. And the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. That means you can't feel it, you can't see it, you can't taste it. It is only real because God says it's real, and you are only experiencing it to the degree that your faith embraced it. That's the experience of faith. Faith is a determination to hold on to truth. It is the way of life for the Christian. It's not just a theology or a doctrine. It's your faith. It's your truth. It's your life. It's not your parents' faith. It's not your denomination. It's not your religion. It's not just what you think about or understand about the truth. It's personal. It's personal. Listen, I remember, I grew up in the church. And not just in the church, because I was a child of a minister. If the doors were open, I was in church. So I've had a lot of experience with preaching and teaching and all of the things that go on within the walls of the church. Now, I received Christ when I was nine years old, but I did not understand what I had. I went to a revival meeting where I was told that if I didn't receive the Lord, I was going to die and go straight to hell, and hell was hot. And uh, I felt convicted. I came forward and I received the Lord. And from that point forward, my relationship with the Lord was distant and sketchy. I went through hearing many, many anointed speakers. I watched the revival that took place. I saw people delivered. I saw people saved. I saw dramatic transformations in people's lives. I saw all those things and none of it None of it moved me from my selfishness and rebellion and pride. It wasn't until I got to the place where I had lost everything. And I was completely bankrupt emotionally in every other way. And I looked up at God and I was walking down a road. I looked up at God and I said, God, if this is Christianity, I'm done. But I know there's more because I've seen it. So, Father, either open my eyes to the more of Christianity or take me home because I'm done. I wish I could tell you the heavens parted and the angels sang at that point. But no. God took me by the hand, so to speak, and moment by moment, day by day, He walked with me. He taught me. He grew me in the relationship that I have with him. Now, anybody can come up and challenge me about what I believe about Jesus, but they can't take that from me. They can't take that from me. I might not be able to prove to you that Jesus is alive, but I have Jesus' life. And I have walked with him. And He has been my healer. He has been my comforter. He has been my strength. He has been my provision. He has been my protection. He has been my life. He has been my joy. He has been my peace. He has been everything to me. And I will not, will not turn my back on Him. I have the truth within me. It's personal. Now the world will try to get you to dissect truth articulate truth, justify truth, prove truth. And that is because they think truth is really just a belief system that you can disprove. But that will never be possible. Because your truth is not an idea, it is not an intellectual concept. Your truth is beyond the comprehension of a mind. Your truth is a person whose life you share. And that's our truth. It's an intimate relationship that has shared my every experience. You carry the truth. It has been with you in every moment. Laughter and tears, pain and peace, fear and courage, doubt and confidence. In all things, His life within you has been the anchor for your soul. You know what? You are the evidence of His presence. These young people are before you. That's the evidence of His presence. That is truth demonstrated. This world can shake you, it can distract you, it can attack you, but they can never remove truth from you. The truth is Jesus. John fourteen six. Jesus said to them, I am the only way to God, and the real truth, and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. See, Jesus is not a way. He is the way, the only way. He is not a truth. He is the only truth. And He's not a life. He is the life. He is your life. Nothing you can do or will do through the entirety of your existence will change that. It is your spiritual DNA. It is unchangeable. You may choose not to live in the truth, but the truth will always live in you. You may deny the truth, but the truth will never forsake you. He is the truth. Now, young people, you're going to have doubts and fears. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. But none of those things will ever change the truth in you or change who you are. When you fall, get up. When you fail, get up and move towards faith. Return his embrace and turn from sin. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14. Now, I want you to keep in mind as I read this, the Spirit of God, of course, has made this into the canon of Scripture, and, and but this is Paul who's writing. Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament. Paul who practically articulated the New Covenant for us. Paul who was, even among the disciples, known as an anointed super-saint. He was unbelievable, unstoppable. He had been through all kinds of things. So when we look at Paul, we're seeing someone that was completely yielded to the life of Christ. And you see it demonstrated. He writes this. Not that I have already obtained it, this goal of being Christ-like. Can you imagine that? That Paul would write that. Or have already been perfect. Now, I've heard people say you need to be Christ like. Well, Paul's not even taking that. Paul says, not that I've attained it, this goal of being Christ like, or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on. I press on so that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ took hold of me and made me His own. I press on to take hold. Now listen, Christ was already His, right? Christ was already His life, right? Well, you know what? I I can think of a a few illustrations, but none greater than actually my marriage. I'm married to her, that beautiful woman right there. She is my wife. But I press on. I press into her life. I keep going forward with her. Why? It doesn't make her more my wife. It makes my life a part of hers. I share. I grow. I expand in the relationship that I have with her. That's what Paul's saying. I press on. I press forward. I don't stop. Yeah, he says, I make mistakes. I blow it. I haven't reached perfection. I fail. But one thing I do, I press on. Verse 13, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own yet. (laughs) I'm not good at it yet. That's what he's saying. But one thing I do, because I'm not good at it, because I do fail, Because I do trip over myself. One thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I keep pressing towards Him. I haven't attained it yet. Yeah, I'm screwing up. I'm making mistakes. I'm falling over myself. I'm tripping. I'm doing all kinds of things. I get prideful. I, I, I fall out with people. I say the wrong things at the wrong time. These things happen. But that is not the end of me. I press on. And one thing I'm determined to do, I'm not going to spend the next day or so whining about what I messed up back here. Thinking about my mistake back here. I'm going to repent and move forward. Now that's Paul speaking. Truth is that you are in the plan of God even when you fall. Isn't that cool? Get up and move forward. This isn't about getting on in life. And I heard this a lot. And it's not about getting on in life towards an education or a career or a marriage. This is about sharing that life with Him. That's what it's about. A life filled with experiences that are allowed by a sovereign God who delights in you. A life that was meant to provoke and grow faith so that you may learn to know Him in a deeper, more intimate way. In your experience, in my experience, you have learned that circumstances will reveal a relationship. They do not, hear me, they do not have the power to on their own, to grow or destroy a relationship. You have to choose that. You choose whether or not a circumstance destroys a relationship. You have to choose that. Well, I'm saying that in the context of your relationship with the Lord. Your circumstances do not inhibit your relationship with Him. You have to choose Him, no matter how clouded your vision may be, no matter how dark your circumstances may seem, or how bright they may seem. You choose Him. We must determine to choose Him if we want to experience the abundant life we were born to live. I want to remind you once again of what Paul wrote in Philippians 3.10. It wouldn't hardly be a landmark day unless I use that verse, right? Philippians 3.10, Paul says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection which it exerts over believers. Now listen, look at that. Paul's determined purpose was to know him. That means to be intimate with Christ. It was not to write scripture. It was not to start churches. It was not to preach. It was not to teach. It was not to evangelize. It was not to work miracles. Those things were part of the path of God for Paul. In order for Paul to be intimately acquainted with Christ's life, he allowed those things for Paul. Paul yielded and he worked those things through Paul. But Paul understood the goal for him. Paul understood what the emphasis was for him. It wasn't about the work that He was doing. It wasn't about what was being accomplished or not being accomplished. It was about going forward to know His Savior more deeply, more intimately. And you know the things that we perceive to be failures and successes, they have but one goal. That you may know Him. You know, it seems to me the more disappointing and heartbreaking the disappointment is the deeper I know His love, His compassion, His healing, His truth, the more acquainted I am with the reality of His heart. And yet I still know Him in the times of pleasure and joy, just like we experienced up here. You see, this was about graduation, but it was more than that. It was us seeing children of God moving forward. Knowing it, testimonies of the work of God. Affirmation that He is real, that He is active. Now, you're not going to get that sitting at home watching TV. He's going to give you affirmation in living. There will be many questions as you go forward. And I know all the young people that are going into college, uh, you have expectations and dreams about what the future holds for you. And that's natural. That's normal. That's part of life. You will always be rounding corners, and faith will always be required. Not going to get away from it. You've heard me say this, it's quoting a friend of mine, if, if there are ten things you needed to know about college before you went there, you'll only know four. If there are ten things you needed to know about the career you were about to take, you'd only know three. And if there are ten things you need to know about marriage and your future mate, you will only know two. Why is that? Is that some cruel joke God's playing on us? No. We are to live this life by faith in the one who knows it all. He is the shepherd. He has chosen the path. You do not live by fate or random choices. All your life, God has been proving to you that you need a shepherd. I know because I'm in the same class. All your life. And it doesn't stop. But you know what? After a while you stop resenting it and you start welcoming it. You get on board with the truth of it and you can rest. You can rejoice. And then what you thought was curse becomes a blessing. He is the shepherd. College will not make you smart enough. Training will not make you tough enough. Marriage and relationship will not make you stable enough. All of life reveals that we were made for God. Now, I want us to look at a verse that we looked at at Bible study uh, last Thursday night. It's Philippians 2.13, and if you don't have that page dog-eared, this would be a good time to do it. Philippians 2.13, reading from the Amplified, it says, For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you. Both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. It is God. As Christians, we must determine to believe that God's strength is what holds us. That God is continuously at work in us. And this verse tells us that God is effectively at work in you. Effectively. Effectively. Now, I've made a lot of judgments about God's work in my life. I don't think I've used the word effectively very often. But the reality of it is that everything that God is doing in your life is effective. It is bringing you to a place of choosing. It is bringing you to a place of revelation. It is literally moving you according to God's plan. Because i got to tell you, you're not the one driving the boat. It is effective. Where you are, He is effective. Where you're going, He is effective. And He's at work in you. And He delights in His work. We're the ones that are sitting around moaning and carrying on about it. But in reality, God's excited about what He's doing. We need to determine that it is His strength that it is God who is continuously at work at us, that He is effectively at work at us, and He has an effective plan both to will and to work for His good pleasure.
1: Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment. And receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you'd like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006 and finally this coming week our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and remember wherever you go whatever you do the hope of glory is Christ in you